the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. And he's here to say good afternoon. Welcome to the 30th of May. It is, of course, a Wednesday. And here at uh, just about six minutes after the hour of 5 o'clock, great to have you on board for another edition of Lifeline. We are, of course, here every Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that affect your life, your world, and your Christian walk. We'll do more of the same certainly today. Coming up a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by best-selling author Jim Turner, who has shared some personal insights in relationship to what he calls the disconnected man. And for the women in the audience who is married to a disconnected man, wow, This is going to be a powerful conversation with powerful insights you won't want to miss. Coming up a little bit later on in tonight's program. Right now, though, as we turn our sights towards the election, of course, we are now uh, T-minus, what is it, seven days, six, five days, six days and counting as we head into the 2018 June primary coming to a ballot box near you. And to get an update as to where things stand on the hot issues, particularly of concern for people of faith and those of us that are decidedly pro-life. We're joined now by Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. Brian, as always, thank you for taking time to be with us today. This election is turning out to be quite an interesting one, one that is becoming infinitely more complicated and confusing, although I suppose most Californians are not in on the confusion, or better put, maybe not in on the gag. The gag meaning that the so-called ranked choice voting in California means that when we go to the polls, not in June, but in November, we're not going to be voting between a choice of candidates of the top vote getter for Republican and Democrat and the respective parties, but in fact, just the top two vote getters. And that means there could be a tremendous coloring, so to speak, of the electoral choices for Californians in November, making the June 5th primary even more important. That's right, Greg. It's rather startling, but literally in excess of $7 million is being spent to convince Republicans they need to split their vote right now and to attack the leader, John Cox, who's been endorsed by President Trump, who's very pro-life. And this $7 million has been spent to want a termed-out assemblyman who is really a rather minor assemblyman. I knew him while he was in the assembly. Not sterling, really, on the life issue at all. And yet suddenly, when he ran for governor, he was telling people he was very, very pro-life. That wasn't his record. And then we saw what was happening. $7 million is being spent to split the Republican vote so that there will be no Republican on the fall ballot. This is in ink. The Fair Political Practices Commission has the documents on this. The specific intention is to elect Anthony Villarigosa to be the number two. 
be between Gavin Newsom and Anthony Rigoso. So many of you, you're getting a lot of mail. You're seeing ads. The ads are compelling. They usually put the disclaimer now at the front of the ad because if you look too closely after saying how terrible John Cox is and how conservative Travis Allen is, you would look for the disclaimer. There was no disclaimer because it was at the front where it says it's paid for by these millionaires. One is Michael Bloomberg trying to elect Anthony Villaraigosa. So the top two primary. Wait, 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 wait. Let me interrupt a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Michael Bloomberg, last time I checked, wasn't he a Republican? Yeah, that's what he would call a deep state Republican. He's actually, yeah, he's always been a bit of a liberal Republican. But the man, it's, it's what's nicknamed as a Rolex and a Rolls Royce Republican. Some people think the Republican Party, and that's only the branding of the pop media. Well, it's all about money, it's all about taxes, rich white people. But. You and I know the founding of the Republican Party is on a very specific issue, the uniqueness of the human person and the need for the law to protect individual human lives. The issue of slavery was the founding of the Republican Party. And that human life has value. It's not about money. That's second. I, I like keeping my money. I don't like taking taxes. But that's not the purpose of the Republican Party. And so those types of Republicans are known as Rolex and Rolls Royce Republicans. And that's exactly what Mr. Bloomberg is. He's one of the richest men in the United States of America. And there's other billionaires that are Californian that are thrown in with him in order to back Anthony Villarigosa. And to do that, they must split the Republican Party. So we're being played, and specifically conservatives and pro-lifers. And that's why we have to speak. I have responsibility to our issue that we not be gained. And this is a political game. It's unconscionable. As I said, it's an ink with the Fair Political Practices Commission, and you're getting a lot of these in your mailbox. You're seeing them on television, and you need to be a wise voter. Do not be taken. Do not allow there to only be two Democrats at the top of the ticket in the fall. And again, I want to underscore for listeners, because there is a lot of confusion over this. And I'm not even sure, my, my recollection's not really clear as to what manipulation was involved to even push us towards this ranked choice voting and why anybody other than the Democrats attempting to maintain a stranglehold on the state would have pushed for it, that we go and select candidates for our party in the primary thinking that at the end we're going to see a runoff between the top Republican vote-getter and the top Democrat vote-getter, or whatever the parties are, for the sake of discussion. And in the end of the day, that isn't it at all. And so essentially in a state like California, if you can uh, essentially siphon off, and I think this is what you're suggesting, if you can siphon off votes from what would be presumed the top vote-getter for the Republican Party, that has the end result, the the trickle-down effect of ultimately then pushing up the number two ranking Democrat into the second highest vote position so that the runoff then essentially is between two Democrats and there are no choices come November. That's right. And so you're seeing that money. It's a lot of money and apparently there's more money coming in. And this money for Anthony Villaraigosa has been attacking John Cox and vaunting Travis Allen as a conservative hero out of nowhere. He was silent in the assembly, but suddenly now he's up for governor. The guy is the embodiment of Ronald Reagan. He's a great salesman himself. I spent time with him in the past. He, he could sell ice to Eskimos. But this is what people say. It's what they do. 
And in the legislature, he was not pro-life. And you need to know that. So this is really unconscionable. And it's exploiting the system and exploiting our voters and misleading them for the benefit of Anthony. Now, Anthony Reid goes through getting more ads. A lot of these are from the police officers' associations. So you think, oh, he's law and order. Well, those are actually unions. And uh, I know a lot of police officers that are really great people. But it's the unions that have a vested interest in massive government and controlling government. And so you're seeing Anthony Villaraigosa is suddenly a conservative law and order candidate, which is, if you look at the condition of the city of Los Angeles, you know how misrepresented that is. And yet, in politics, that's the game that's being played. So unless you pay attention to specifics, again, read the disclaimers on the ads. Many of the slates that have been bought for Travis Allen were paid for by this fund. And you don't know that. It just gives an asterisk saying that this is a paid endorsement. So politics can be very dirty. doesn't mean to run away from it. It means you've got to make sure that you look carefully and wash things off, make sure that you discern. It is important that Christians be discerning, that they study to show themselves approved. Look at what's going on in our political system. Don't be snockered just because somebody says one thing. The implications are if we split right now, the Republican vote, there'll be no vote. For you in the fall. Wow. Okay. So there's uh, there's a lot that we have to be wary of. And again, while I know that there's typically sort of a lazadaisical attitude by not all, but by many, when it comes to midterm elections and certainly midterm primaries, this primary will be nothing to laugh about. So it is critically important that you show up at the polling place a week from, well, uh, this coming Tuesday. And again, more information available on the election. Oftentimes we get calls from folks saying, gee, how do I get some some good, solid insights from a uniquely conservative or um, biblical viewpoint on the issues and the candidates? One good place to go is to electionforum.com. That's electionforum.com. We did an entire program on this, I'm going to say, just about a week ago today. You can go back and check uh, previous podcasts as well where we kind of went through all of the candidates and talked about all of the propositions as well. So you can check that out on the Lifeline podcast or, again, information available online at electionforum.com. That's electionforum.com. I'd like to thank Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, for that insight and that update. All right, we're here at 516. Let's get you updated traffic-wise, and we'll swing on over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest as we say good afternoon to Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. We're here at 520 on your basic Wednesday afternoon. And uh, let's talk now about an issue that uh, I, I know is going to resonate very loudly with some members of the audience tonight. Um, let's talk about disconnections for a moment. Now, we're surrounded by them. Think about it. There is certainly a major disconnection between much of what goes on in the thinking in Washington, D.C., certainly from the rest of the nation. We were just talking a moment ago about the upcoming June primary elections, big disconnection between Sacramento and certainly many Californians. There may be wives in the audience who see increasing disconnection with their husbands. We have evidence of that certainly with the high divorce rate, don't we? Men 
disconnected from masculinity at an ever-increasing basis these days. And I think ultimately, if we look at many of these issues, it points back to perhaps the greatest disconnect of all, of all time for all mankind, and that is our disconnect from our creator, very God himself. Jim Turner writes about it inside of a book called The Disconnected Man, and certainly he speaks from a lot of personal experience on this topic. And Jim, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Let's talk a bit about the beginning of your own awareness of the great disconnect. We run around, we're busy, we're doing work and taking care of families and trying to pay bills and so forth. And and a lot of men these days in particular seem to be very well connected. They've got connections on the job, they've got connections at the club, connections at church. They seem to be connected in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, though, it's not all of the right ways or the critical ways. And some of the most important relationships in their lives is where they suffer from the greatest disconnect. Why is that? Oh, great question, Craig. And it's great to be on with you today. Thanks much. Um, you know, when you talk about disconnection, what we're really talking about is uh, it's not the, those surface relationships where, you know, you're friendly and you have this uh, kind of camaraderie going on. We're talking about, you know, the heart relationship where a man... <clears throat> Uh, or usually we hear it from the uh, the wife first or the woman in the relationship first is that you know uh, my guy he's he's a great guy everybody likes him he seems to do his duty all the time but I just can't get into his heart I, I never feel like he and I are connected in that intimate way that. Um, I think God promises for humans that we can be connected that way, not only to Him, but to one another. And certainly what women crave, and uh, especially those women when they're getting married, it's all exciting, and this guy has opened up a little bit about himself and, you know, kind of gone as deep as he can go, but they're expecting a little more after they get married because this has been a great dating slash um engagement and uh, marriage is going to be close and it's going to be great and intimate and I get to share my full heart with him and he's going to share his full heart with me and then they get down the road and they find out that this guy isn't isn't able to go very deep she already learned everything about him that, she, that he was able to access so to speak so um, so that's kind of what happens and uh, my realization came, to answer your question, your question, Craig, my realization came that um, it was several months after my wife had left me, and um, her leaving didn't really even give me a hint as to what was going on. But several months after I, uh, after she left, and I'm on my own, and my four kids are there, and I'm raising them, and uh, I went out with a friend to meet in just a coffee shop, having a great cup of coffee conversation and so on. And um, this is one of those kinds of friends that, uh, I don't know if you've got guys like this in your life, Craig, but uh, the kind of guy that can just look you straight in the eye and tell you the truth straight up and know it's going to hurt and be okay to do it. And that's that's the kind of guy that he was, and he just basically said, you know, Jim, I think you could get up from this table. You could walk out that door. You could never communicate with me again. 
kind of have me out of your life and really never miss me and go on without skipping a beat. And as soon as he said that to me, I, you know, at first I wanted to kind of argue with that, but I knew I couldn't. There was just something that the Holy Spirit put his finger on and said, Jim, that is you. And I had to grapple with that and deal with it after that. And it seems particularly so for men. Now, let us be clear here that the disconnect can happen for women, too, to be sure. But it seems to be a unique talent and skill <laughs> that most yeah, yeah. guys have. And, and I think of the fact, just looking at headline news today, so they brought now an indictment against um, former Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein, uh, we know that's going to be a story that will continue to dominate the headlines for a long time. We look at the number and nature of accusations against him, and we say, boy, there's a guy that's disconnected. There's a guy that has been engaging in behavior that um, has clearly hurt a lot of other people, and yet seemingly so utterly, totally disconnected, not only from the consequences of his actions visited upon others, but but apparently living in kind of a, a fog this entire time. And, and sadly, that describes a good percentage of men. Why is that? Why do we tend to be able to um, disconnect so easily or remain in that place of disconnect for so long? Yeah, good question. I think yeah, just in general, and, and I've heard a lot of speakers put this a lot of different ways. They basically say that men are able to compartmentalize and uh, be able to accomplish a task without any other distractions, and they kind of call that the the fact that men are like waffles and then women are like spaghetti. You know, they're, everything's connected, and they're, um, they can't uh, as easily compartmentalize. I don't know if that's an overgeneralization or not, but I do think that men have this unique ability or strength to compartmentalize things so that they can just focus on whatever's in front of them and get it done to the exclusion of all else. But I think that um, with that gift comes the downside, and that is uh, some men get to the point where they just simply compartmentalize all emotions and they lock them up and they put them away and they say listen all the times i've ever experienced emotional vulnerability hurt me and so i don't want to feel that anymore so i'm going to lock those away and i think you know when you talk about a harvey weinstein and and those different men that have been accused you know, I think that's going across the line of what we're talking about when we talk about a disconnected man. They're disconnected, but I think they're also narcissistic. They they use people for their own gratification, whereas a disconnected man is usually a good man, a man that just does his duty, he comes home, he brings his paycheck home, he spends time with his kids, he spends time with his wife, but he can't and his wife can't and his family can't get into the just emotional center of his life they just feel like there's just a wall there there's some fog that they can't penetrate to really get to know him and so you know he's not out uh chasing sin necessarily um but he but he's completely closed up as far as being relationally available. And i got to tell you, I mean, we hear from women uh, all the time 
I mean, we hear from new people weekly that have either gotten the book and read it or they've gone onto our website, jimturnerauthor.com, and they've uh, read some of the blog posts and so on, and they say, that's my guy. I am married or I am in a relationship with a disconnected man or that's my dad or that's my uncle or whomever. And they reach out to us and say, how in the world can we get through to him? And having been that man formerly, I can give them uh, some some help there. So that's kind of why we wrote the book, so that we can uh, at least help women to have some hope that they can get beyond this guy's wall, so to speak, and get into his emotional life and draw him out. There is perhaps, uh, Jim, in the word choice here, uh, maybe either by accident or on purpose, uh, an interesting, some might call it peculiar, choice of words. And I want to talk about that when we come back. As we discuss the topic of The Disconnected Man, there is, of course, a new book out by the same title, authored by our guest today, Jim Turner. Information, as Jim mentioned, available on the web at jimturnerauthor.com. That's jimturnerauthor.com. We take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation. When we come back, asking the question, disconnected or never really connected in the first place, as Lifeline continues. Get a look at traffic right now. Let's see if we can't get you connected with what's going on on the road ahead. I talk about a disconnect there. Huh? Most days, although it's been a lighter traffic week, a lot of folks, I think, taking advantage of a uh, what started the summer vacation, I guess, following the uh, Memorial Day holiday. Let's find out the latest. Michael Bennett's got it for you from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to our discussion with Jim Turner. We're talking about the big disconnect that many guys have at multiple levels, and compartmentalizing, I think, is a, a good answer for that. You know, truth be told, ladies, a lot of guys are under a lot of pressure. They deal with a lot of stress at work and, and different areas of their lives and areas of responsibility. And so sometimes to deal with the stress, we kind of get this very tunnel vision, myopic approach to things. We deal with one area or arena at a time. So I'm at work right now, so don't bother me about the kids because I'm at work right now. And then when you get home, hopefully you got time for the kids and not worrying still about work. But the big question I have to wonder is, uh, Jim, the, the choice of the title of the book, is it a case where, uh, to me, from, a, from an engineering standpoint, for example, you might say, well, if you have a computer that was working but no longer is because the technician came in and moved some cords around, we might say that it's disconnected. If, however, we bought a brand new computer, it's never been installed yet, we wouldn't say it's necessarily disconnected. We'd say it's unconnected, meaning that it's never been connected. So can there be two profiles here? Are there some guys that are disconnected, suggesting that maybe there was once a connection that somehow has been lost, or are there men that genuinely, and I would imagine some of this might relate back to the family of origin, that have never been connected in the first place at all, at any level? You know, that's really a brilliant observation, Craig. You're the first person I've heard that's actually made that distinction, but I think you got a point there. Um, like, my story is that, um, you know, I didn't have a big trauma or anything in my life. Um, but my family of origin, we were the kind of family that, you know, we didn't touch or hug or say I love you. I, I never doubted that my parents loved me, but we weren't expressive. 
and uh, so I never learned, and we, and we didn't have conversations, like long, heartfelt conversations, or even short ones, <laughs> for that matter. We just didn't get into the emotional aspects of life together. Um, that was done outside the family, and so I think, at least for myself, I think the unconnected definition that you brought up uh, would be a really good observation of kind of how I came into um, to my disconnection. But then there's a lot of guys, and this is interesting because um, your show yesterday with Wanda and Shelley talking about post-traumatic stress, um, I think there are a lot of guys, and there are a lot of guys that have come to us that uh, have had some kind of really serious trauma in their life, sexual abuse, you know, physical abuse from their father or what have you, their father beat them up or things like that that have happened in the past or men returning from military duty and that sort of thing that come back and they've had some sort of trauma and as a result of that trauma, they simply shut down. And especially if it was an emotional trauma, they they can't go there in other way in other relationships because it always triggers that trauma for them again and a lot of guys I, this is and I'm, I'm not a counselor I'm not a psychologist but but just by observation a lot of guys that come to us will uh, have completely blocked off their emotions so that they don't have to feel those things and they still get along great in life. They, they're experts at their jobs, typically, because, you know, no emotional baggage. You can really do a lot of good work because you don't have to worry about those things. But um, they come to us, and through the course of time, they end up finding out a lot of times the subconscious kind of breaks and allows the conscious mind to remember things that they hadn't remembered before. So you're seeing an example in, in, in the first example that you cite of, of a man that is perhaps using the disconnect as a coping mechanism. In other words, he's on tilt. There is yep. emotion and information overload, and so the only way to deal with it is by not dealing with it. And, and it's interesting because then you would say, and we hear this often, women will say, my husband just, he doesn't have any feelings. He has no emotions. I don't know that that's necessarily true. In your experience, Jim, is it necessarily that there's no emotion there at all? Or do you find, particularly when guys have that breakthrough experience and they cry like babies, oh, there's emotion there. In fact, there's all kinds of emotion there. They just don't know how to deal with it, how to manage, how to place it. And so as a result, they shut down or, or they disconnect from the emotional side because that's a part of them that maybe, as you say, as a young man, was, was never nurtured, never had a chance to, to really explore and figure out all that, uh, what all the emotions meant. And so as a result, it's just easier to disconnect. Yeah, another great observation. And that's the way it was for me, Craig, is that, you know, I was the happy-go-lucky guy. I rarely ever got sad, um, had any issues where I felt depressed or anything like that. I was I got up every day, went about my business, had a great day, everything was fine. But there were times when something would touch that locked away emotional uh, place. 
and it was awful for me. I didn't like it at all. It would cause a complete meltdown. So if, you know, if it was a particularly moving scene in a movie or something like that, and it touched that place that I wasn't expected, uh, wasn't expecting to be touched, it would just cause this incredible meltdown. I wouldn't be able to stop sobbing and crying, and it was, and I didn't know where it came from. And so, yeah, you're right. The emotions are there, but they're so securely locked down, and they've been put away for so long that, you know, the guy's conscious mind doesn't even know where it is. He, he, he locked it away and then put the key somewhere, and he doesn't know where the key is. And so trying to get there with him is a really tough thing for not only him, but for the, uh, the people in his life that love him and want to uh, experience those emotions with him and have that relational connection. It's almost, it would seem, Jim, from what you're describing in the marriage relationship, like uh, uh, the, the two partners in the relationship speak an entirely different language. I mean, can you imagine uh, having somebody who, who uh, was born and bred speaking German and the other born and bred speaking French and neither know a single word of the other's language, and they're together in a marriage relationship, and there are so many things that need to be communicated with about goals and dreams and desires and, and future and family and just the day-to-day operations operation of of the family and the relationship, and yet they cannot connect because the communication skills are not there because they literally speak two entirely different languages. And I wonder if that's what it feels like for a lot of women who maybe are just, you know, they wear their <laughs> their emotions on their sleeve. They can, they, can, they can be in touch with their emotions at the drop of a dime, sometimes to the guy's chagrin. And yet here's the guy who is completely disconnected. And so it's almost like speaking two different languages, isn't it? Yeah, and the tragic part about it for the woman is that um, she had these expectations of being loved in the way that, you know, um, was promised her, especially if she's a Christian woman, and the man is supposed to look like Christ in their marriage. And the Bible's full of expressions of love from uh, the Lord to her. And then she gets in this marriage, and this man is supposed to reflect Jesus in her life, and he's unemotional, and she can't find the love, and she can't find all those expressions that Jesus says that he has toward her. And so she starts to doubt, uh, you know, is this really what the love of God looks like? Is this w- the way it's supposed to be? And why can't I get any kind of a sense of connection with this man? And so she's left wondering, and she, and oftentimes... Uh, women are left asking the question, does God really love me? Because the man is not capable of expressing that kind of love as the mirror he's supposed to be. And that's where I say in the book that um, if, if you're a disconnected man, you're walking in constant disobedience to nearly every command of Scripture. That may sound really harsh and really blunt, but here's what I mean is if we're supposed to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to everyone around us, and we can't even speak the language of love and get in touch with that language in order to express it to others, then there's no way we can uh, obey the simplest command of Scripture. 
And, and that is, I mean, you can't go make disciples if you don't love people. You can't, I mean, you can go and kind of pedantically speak the scriptures and hope that, you know, the Holy Spirit touches them, but, um, you know, you're not connecting with people. Uh, you can't properly love your kids. You can't love your wife. There's so many things you can't do if your emotions, your relational apparatus, so to speak, is locked securely away and you're not using it. Let's pause on that point when we come back because they're, they're, this is kind of like the onion, right? We're, we're peeling back all of the layers as we talk about the challenges faced by the disconnected man and the challenges that have to be grappled with by all of the people around him. And this can be friends and coworkers and certainly families and spouses. A visit today with Jim Turner. Information, by the way, available about the book, The Disconnected Man, online at jimturnerauthor.com. That's jimturnerauthor.com. Let's uh, step aside for a quick moment here, shall we? Get you an update on traffic. Got the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And with a look at the road ahead, here's Michael Bennett. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking about the disconnected man, a great description for a lot of guys today, and the title, coincidentally, of a new book written by Jim Turner. Information, by the way, about the book online at jimturnerauthor.com. And, Jim, as we were discussing before the break, clearly there are a lot of reasons as to why men are disconnected or become disconnected, either because of hurtful experiences or maybe things that they've um, taken with them out of their family of origin that never really taught them how to be connected. And at the end of the day, it's not necessarily that they're they're evil or uncaring. It's just uh, either a lack of a skill or a protection mode, a coping device that they're using. And so then it begs the question, particularly from uh, those around the disconnected man that would like to be connected, particularly for family and spouses, what keeps them from connecting, and how can you help get them connected? Yeah, that's the $1,000 question there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Indeed. That's, we, we spend uh, several chapters in the book just helping kind of get through that. Half the book's written toward uh, to women to help them, uh, number one, overcome the emotions they're feeling because they're in a relationship with a disconnected man. And then, number two, to help them kind of break through that uh, wall and get to him and draw him out. And when I say draw him out, that's probably the best description of how you have to approach uh, a disconnected man, because here's the thing. A disconnected man doesn't know he's disconnected. He thinks he's connected. He thinks that he's really relational, that he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. I mean, he's working hard. He's providing for his family. He's taking the kids to ball practice. Maybe he's even a little league coach, you know. He's doing, he's doing those things, and that's the key, is he does everything that he thinks he's supposed to do, but he doesn't feel it necessarily. And so in order to get through the doing and to the feeling, it's a very, very tricky pathway for a woman. Um, but she can do it. Uh, it's the incredible thing that I've seen is a woman has a power to get through that 
that haze of his disconnectedness and start to draw him out. And since the question comes up all the time, how do we do it? Um, I ended up doing a, a kind of a seven-step process, and we call it the popcorn steps. And we it's it's available on our website if you go there and just uh, connect with us and ask for the popcorn steps. But the the very first one, as you might guess, is just prayer. Because um, every man's different. Uh, I mean, maybe your man got there because of some severe trauma, and you're going to need wisdom to, um, you know, handle that with him. You may not even know about the trauma. He may have even forgotten about the trauma. And so uh, if it comes up, you know, you're going to have to have wisdom from God on what to do at that point. So um, the first encouragement is just absolutely spend a lot of time in prayer. And along with that, let me give you a, a something not to do. Don't run home, like maybe you're on your drive home right now, and you say, oh, disconnected man, that's my husband. I'm going in and telling him right now. I just learned everything about you. Wrong, wrong thing to do, because that disconnected man is is he's going to react uh, probably negatively to that, uh, but it's not going to register with him right away. I mean, there's a few guys that can hear the term and say, you know, I think that's me. I, I, I don't feel connected to anybody. I can walk away from relationships really easily. I can go to funerals and not really cry. I can do a lot of these things. And in Chapter 5, there's a, there's a list of questions where a man can test himself to see if he is a disconnected man. So at any rate, um, first step is prayer. And then, like I said, there's like six other steps, and it would probably take us longer than we have today to get through those. But I'd encourage every woman listening today or every son who has a disconnected dad or daughter with a disconnected dad, uh, start with prayer, earnest, seeking prayer, so that they can get some insight from the Lord on just the right way to approach their disconnected man. And I would imagine I made reference to the layers of an onion a few moments ago that this is a process that the disconnect is often as and I'll use the computer analogy it it's not necessarily like literally yanking the cord out the back sometimes it is a process in which a man is undertaken in disconnecting to protect himself. And so getting reconnected is going to be a process I would imagine as well, so don't expect this to happen overnight. No, it, I mean, <clears throat> I was disconnected for, you know, 50 years, and and uh, it's taken me years to become connected, and I think I'm still working on it. Um, so, yeah, it is a process. And here's the thing, though. Some guys get it uh, as soon as they hear the term, as soon as they um, – I mean, I, forget, I had one guy um, connect with me, and we had a phone conversation. He said, Jim – in the first two chapters, you described me for the last 50 years, and it felt like you were living in my skin. So he got it right away, and then he started working on the things in his own life that he needed to do to uh, become connected. So uh, praise God for him, but that's kind of rare. I mean, most guys don't get it. Uh, we're working with some guys now that, you know, you you talk with them and they say, yeah, I need to work on this because my wife says I have to work on it. 
but you can tell they just don't get it yet. So it's a process, and it's different for every guy. So that's why I caution folks to really spend some time praying about it first before you go and either confront uh, your man or you do some of the things in, that the book talks about to help draw him out. He doesn't even have to know about it. You're just being a wise woman trying to get to know your man and draw him out in some very unique ways that work with a disconnected man. Now, given all of the foregoing, what do you say to the woman who says, well, okay, Jim, that's, it's all well and good. I get exactly what you're saying, but while I'm busy helping to draw him out and praying for him, I have needs too. I, I, I feel like this major wall, Trump can't get the wall built, but my husband got it built, and it exists between the two of us, and here I am. I've got needs. I long to be connected. i got kids that come to me that don't know what to do because Dad seems to be a million miles away. So what, what kind of hope do we offer to the family members in the meanwhile? Yeah, that's really good. And I spend, by the way, if Trump would just find a, a fleet of disconnected men, they'd have that wall built for him in no time. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> really good at doing that. Um, but, uh, uh, but for the women, in order for them to survive while they're uh, in a relationship with a disconnected man, hopefully... Um, the women we're talking to have a support system already. They have good girlfriends, godly women who are able to give them good counsel and support them through this. They have uh, um, help with their children or, or what have you. Um, women have to get the support that they need. And they're not going to get it from their man right away, so they've got to find other ways aside from another man. Okay, don't go there. But um, but if a woman can build a support uh, group around her of, like I said, other godly women, not women who are going to, you know, coddle her and allow her to um, get in the pity party mode, but women who are going to challenge her to say, you know what, you're gifted. You are special in God's sight. Use your gifts to go and serve people everywhere you can while you're working on drawing your husband out and continuing to serve him. And um, uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of information in the book that will help women take the steps they need to take to get the things uh, incorporated into their life that will help them uh, survive as they are uh, continuing in their relationship with their disconnected man. Some good insights from author Jim Turner. Again, the book, The Disconnected Man, available uh, certainly through all of the usual suspects, Amazon.com, but more information and resources available, too, along with the book at Jim's website, JimTurnerAuthor.com. That's JimTurnerAuthor.com. Jim, thanks so much for the time and the insights. Good stuff. Okay, 6 o'clock, time for some uh, insights right now on traffic. The latest for you from the KFAX Traffic Center and Michael Bennett. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.